I answer the phone. The first thing he's like, what are you doing for the next two years? <laughs> I'm like, two, <laughs> two years? years. He's like, let me check my calendar. I'm like, hold up, bro. What? I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm doing next week, bro. Yeah. What's up, guys? Today's guest is a professional tricker who has toured the world with Justin Bieber and is now breaking into the world of photography. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Mr. Kyle Cordova. What's yo, up, yo, Vulture? What's good, dog? Yo. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, this is actually our uh, second attempt at this episode. Me Kyle too. is uh, Kyle actually did a killer smashed out interview, and uh, we had some problems with my audio. So uh, yeah, just called him back just because I wanted to make sure his episode was done correctly and properly. We tried to like Frankenstein it together, but uh, <laughs> as you guys will see, we have switched softwares now. Um, you guys maybe see a little difference in the quality of the video, but that's because we have now switched to a new program where we can record live to tape. So everything we do here live is going to go direct to the episode. No editing. Answers are going to be uncut. Everything will be real and authentic. And uh, we're really going to make Paul work for his money right now. <laughs> Super legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul's back here. We, we call him the young Jamie, like on Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, from Joe Rogan. <laughs> Paul used to be able to just slack off and hit his jewel pen, but now he's actually got to sit here and <laughs> switch the cameras around. <laughs> a couple taps here and there. Exactly, that, yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, welcome, Kyle. Thanks for joining us again. Yes, thanks um, for having me. And what's crazy about this is that uh, th you actually used to live not in this room, but at this house. I uh, did. And a lot of people used to live at this house. In fact, yeah. <laughs> for you triggers out there, we are in a niche Sherpa's old bedroom. Oh, yeah, this is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, right? This is true, yeah. But we used to sleep right there. <laughs> With little Kaya at the door. Just yep, yeah, yeah. That was when Kaya was a little That's, too. Yeah, yeah. Kaya, Kaya's his pit bull, not his daughter, guys. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has a daughter now who's extremely beautiful, so shout out to Anise and his family. Um, but yeah, this is crazy, man. So, a lot of people don't know about this because we never publicize it as like a tricker house per se. Um, but this was like a big LA hub at one point. So mm -hmm. at one point, you lived here. Uh, I lived here. Anish Sherfa lived here at one point. We had members of Lost Boys, uh, Andrew, Aang, and Solomon Brandy lived here. Rudy had, lived in the guest house. Rudy Raynon lived yep. here. We had Ben Jenkin, world-renowned yep. yep. freerunner, lived ben here. for a little bit, yeah. Uh, we even had a guy named Adam Truesdale who at one point was like a Ninja Adam, Warrior yeah, finalist. Adam. And then... Um, <laughs> Right now, we have young Ed Bossert from yep. the Colorado Tricking Scene, yep. who is uh, living in one of the guest house here. So, Bro, it's, that it's guest crazy. house is legendary. <laughs> there were some after jam moments that went down that guest Yo. house, the gatherings. <laughs> there been, yeah, I, what's crazy about that is Kyle, Kyle lives in one of the pool houses here. There's like a two guest houses on the property. One of them is a pool house. And I remember going in there after a gathering once. There must have been like 50, 60 people in this little 400 square. I low-key have no idea how we fit that many people in there. It was crazy. When I think back on it, I'm like, yo, I don't even know how we did that. But we did it. We had some, <laughs> some crazy epic times here. Just like what's cool about this property is like maybe one of these times we'll do a behind the scenes where we show you what this room looks like and also like the backyard but the reason we all lived here is in california it's rare to have a yard and we have an acre here where we have training mats we have heavy bags we have a trampoline we have fire pit basketball court and we used to have crazy parties here too yeah um, the new year's the new year's <laughs> party what year was that man bro it was okay i remember the first crazy one is 2010 and 2011 <laughs> And then 2011, 2012 was when y'all rented the tent. The tent, had the tent in the backyard. The tent was crazy. That but, one was but, crazy. But what, what, what is the year of the gainer? Is that 2010? Oh, that was 2010, 2011. 2010. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get into this interview, we're gonna we're gonna have to relive this, and I'm gonna let <laughs> oh, no. I'm gonna let 
I'm gonna let my man Kyle give a little a little explanation of this story, and then I can hop in when I need. But so this is 2010 New Year's Eve, transitioning into 2011. Yeah, we had a big party in the backyard, and we invited all our friends because we were broke as hell. We weren't going to a club. We were like, we we're gonna party in the backyard. Yeah. I, I I literally could look around the room and there was like every tricker you could think of from Danny Graham to Anise to Jeremy, Bro. industry every, dancers. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say industry people, choreographers, creative directors, oh. all sorts of people there. <laughs> there was like winners of America's Best Dance Crew, like the runners up, like it was crazy. And then you had a bunch of guys there from the LXD, which was mm-hmm. the Legion of Extraordinary yep. Dancers, which is literally like an all-star team of dancers. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we were chilling in the backyard. <laughs> And we don't have to say names. We could just <laughs> we do no names. We could go without names because I feel like certain people know who it is anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, one of our homies at the time, shout out to my dude. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say his name because I don't want to call him out. Like that's so funny. But he let me stay in his room when I first moved to LA for like three months on the floor. So he helped me out in the very beginning. So I always got respect for him. Matters. But my man pulled a crazy move on news. <laughs> He got called out to go do this gainer, or do, he could do whatever. He got basically got called out to do a trick in front of everyone on the concrete, like on the hard floor. And my man chooses to do the J-Step gainer, and <laughs> you know you step out with that J-Step, and that back leg goes to swing, and he clipped his other leg. So, so <laughs> his planted leg is like, whoo! And my man did like a, a freshwater salmon, like right out of the water, boom, arced up, came back. And lands like right here on this part of his face. Boom! Scraped his face. Everyone was like, oh! Like everyone screamed. Solomon came into like paramedic mode, came in, grabbed him, like, look at me, follow my finger, blah, blah, blah. Giving him like the rundown, you know, to make sure like everything was cool. But like, Boo Boo got wrecked. And then somebody took a photo. Fo- somebody took a photo of him, and it was everybody's Facebook photo for like a week or two. Like, Yo. I still feel Yo. bad to this day, but that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen here. I've never like, seen someone bail a gainer by kicking themselves in the foot. Yo, first of Yo. all, Yo. I've never seen that. Like, I've seen you come up short, but I've never seen someone kick their own foot from underneath themselves. Honestly, though, it helped him get around like a little low key, bit. Low key. <laughs> but like the, the two crazy details about that story that make it even crazier is that this happened at like 10 p.m. Oh, so, this is the beginning. So my dude had to sit the rest of the party with a scraped face for like two, three and a half more hours. And everyone's asking him like, what? Hey, what happened to you? What happened? <laughs> if, if they were just showing up and missed it, they'd come through and be like, hey, man, are you okay? What happened? Like- <laughs> and, and the other good part about that story is that like... The reason this all stemmed was like everyone's drinking, having a good time in the backyard. It was just one of those things where like you're just drinking casually. There's so many talented movement artists around that like inherently people are going to start dancing. But what happened was there was a a dance choreographer by the Mm -hmm. name of Chris Scott. And Chris Scott helped choreograph a lot of the uh, Step Up movies and Mm -hmm. work with John Chu. And the reason that this is such a funny story is that Chris is the one that got called out to do like a front flip. Yeah. Oh, no, back tuck. A back tuck because he's like a dancer and everyone's like, oh, do a back tuck. And Chris stomped his back tuck. <laughs> he stomped it. So that's why when he looked at our uh, friend, yeah. everyone's like, oh, no, like, Chris landed it. Like, you and the best part something. was when he looked at him, he's like, what you got? <laughs> and then our friend is like, nah, nah, I'm not going to do anything as he's emptying his pockets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Like, taking gonna everything off. Like, you know? Stretching. Like, what you mean you're not going to do it? It kind of looks like you're about to do it. Like, you know? And he did it. Yeah, he, just, oh, he did it. Just didn't get around. Man, oh, that was a, I'm gonna remember that for the rest of my life. 
like, I'm gonna remember that forever. Uh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. That was crazy. <laughs> that was one of the best times, man. And like, yeah, that was just a crazy time in general because that was back like what I like to call like the White Lotus days. Oh, like, the White Lotus. That was real. Yeah, White this, Lotus days. This is crazy, man. So like, kind of along the lines of Kyle's story. Um, Kyle and I, we met when you were actually visiting, when you were considering yeah. moving down to Los Angeles, yeah. right? So how old were you at that point? I was 19. I was fully in school. Like, I was going to Sac State. Yep. I was in the honors program. I was in the engineering program. <laughs> I was getting, like, straight A's and, like, maybe B pluses. Like, I was school committed. Sorry, sorry and, mama. <laughs> so I was school committed. And then uh, one of the homies, Jeremy, told me to come down. I was like, hey, come kick in L.A. Like, I want you to see what it's like, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I'm thinking, like, I didn't, I've never been there. I mean, or I, th- I think I went there once for, like, a rave or something with my okay. homies back in the day. But, like, I was like, yeah, I want to go check it out. And I come down. And he's like, yeah, you can trick and, like, movies and TV and stuff. And they'll, they'll pay you good money. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, wait, hold up. Like, he's like, yeah, you can do martial arts and flips. He's like, they'll pay you. I was like, no way. All right, all right. So I went back home. And then I was like, Mom, I want to move to L.A. And she's like, no, no, you can't move to L.A., whatever, right? So I was going to school. But this time I would stopped going to class. I wasn't doing my homework. I was, like, committed to, like, going to L.A. So I was training a bunch at um, Technique Gymnastics. There's this place I used to trick at, like, on the weekends for Open Gym. Up north. And, uh, yeah, in Sacramento. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was going there training all the time. And I kept asking my mom over and over. And I probably asked her, like, for, like, four months straight. I don't know. It was a long time, you know. So... Side note for everyone who always says, oh, I want to come out, but my parents won't let me. You only asked one time. Oh, this is the one right here? Oh, you only asked one time? That's not enough. I asked my mom like 120 times before I got a yes. You know, like you got you to show you're committed, you know. But basically, yeah. asked a bunch, finally got the okay. And then, yeah, I finally moved down June 2010 in like okay. the middle of the month. I think it was like June 14th or something like that. Dang. That's crazy, man. That then I was out here. Ago. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. I remember when you, when you came out here, you were just a young vulture, man, like super young. And I remember you were like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about moving out here to trick. And I was like, I mean, you got the look, you got the skills, you could do it. But at the time, it was such a new thing. Like for mm-hmm. those of you out there that don't know, when we first moved down to L.A., there was no such thing as tricking, like trickers, the industry. tricking in the industry. Yeah, like, you would never get an audition yeah. with the word tricker in it. <laughs> we honestly, like for the first year or two, we got grouped into the b-boy category mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. f- quote-unquote freestyle category. Oh, yeah. So when you go to dance auditions, they would have male dancers, female dancers, and then they would have freestyle or b-boys. And that's when basically we just kind of got grouped into there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so new. Um, and what's crazy is that I remember talking to you about this and being like, it's going to be a cool time if you move down here and stuff. And then you finally did. And it was right around the time that White Lotus was really popping off, yeah. which was such a unique time because not only were all of us living in L.A. at once, but we had a gym that we could go to. Yeah. And that was like such a rare commodity that we could just go to the gym. We were doing two-a-days, three-a-days, late-night sessions, Crazy. training our boxers. Like the First time I landed, Jason double corkers on my boxers. No way. <laughs> yeah. That's That is crazy. And those days, man, the one thing that I remember about the White Lotus days was just that uh, there's like something about that gym that you just can't recreate energy wise. No, no. It wasn't the biggest gym. It was only for those that never made it to White Lotus. White Lotus was the gym that existed in 2010 before I opened gym. Um, It was a little 5,000 square foot place. We just had a spring floor, a puzzle mat floor, and a 
little black frame trampoline. Yeah. Some that punching bags. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like the floor is kind of beat yeah. up in certain spots. Yeah. Like it was crazy. The thing I loved about White Lotus is like if you went to White Lotus, like you went to train. Like yeah. that was why you went there. Like you, you didn't go there to like talk and chill. Like yeah. you showed up to like do work. Like yeah. that was that was what we were doing every time pretty much. Our big thing was like we were gonna do open gym seven days a week and we we're gonna do it for five dollars. Cause I was like you know what? Like, let's make training affordable. If people really want to train, they'll come down here, even if we have nothing but a floor. And I remember I released, I released one video of Anise doing nine corks and just took off from there. Yeah. Like, literally <laughs> after that, the gym was packed with guys from, like, all around the world. But it was a really cool time because none of us were working yet, so I felt like all of our passion and hunger and drive just went to training. And oh, everyone yeah. was leveling up insane every session oh crazy yeah Yeah. that was like it was like gathering sessions like multiple times a week like everyone throwing down and like what i used to like that we would do is my favorite thing remembering we would like pick a move and then everyone would try to do it like the in their line. way possible yeah. it's like everyone would do the move so say the move was like full double leg or sometimes we do like lines of full double leg twists or whatever yeah, and yeah. then it would be like okay do that and like do something different with it so we would everyone would have like the same core and yeah, then we would yeah. try to do different things involving that thing and like that was some of my favorite stuff to play like my favorite tricking game totally and like one of the other things i remember being unique was like before long it started getting so crowded in the gym like a spring four we only have what seven lanes so like at one point though like you start sharing the floor with kids doing parkour and free running and at one point we're down like two three lanes each but like you could really tell who tricked in la at the time and who was an industry tricker because we could trick in a confined space and we could do our combos like looping going down and back which is like when you're in an audition room you're in a room smaller than this Whereas a lot of these triggers that are out there need at least four steps to do anything. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That the, was a cool the time. The containment was definitely crazy and definitely came in handy for future jobs that I did. Yeah. Like, for sure, 100%. <laughs> yeah, and the, one of the craziest things about that is, Paul, can you pull up um, the video on there? I think it's, uh, man, it's got, there's got to be like a Tricking White Lotus one, um, maybe like under the Al Dente account. Oh, go, go back to that one. That was it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So what was crazy about this time when we were a part of um, White Lotus and uh, what we'll throw on the screen right now is like part of this sampler. Um, And these were done by El Dente. Yeah, Dustin Shepard, baby. Shout out. And what was cool about this is like, um, for some of you that are probably seeing this on screen right now, a lot of these videos just look normal, but... These hey, were some of the faux hog, first... Yo! Yo, my hair going crazy. Young Volchi. Yeah, look at me white as hell. Uh, yeah, 150 oh. pounds hey, wet right oh, now. Oh, shit, probably 130 yeah. maybe. But what was <laughs> crazy is like what you're seeing here may look very normal to you guys now, but back in the day, this was around probably the first video that was shot on like a Canon 7D. Like, this is like some first the, HD you know, yeah. tricking. Yeah, yeah. This is like the first video shot on like DSLR, and what El Dente did was like this guy hit I us up. This part. Oh, I remember Gargoyle, right? Boom, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, gargoyle. Um, what was cool was like you'll see him in the background in the video right there. There was this dude that hit us up online. He had a camera and he was like, "Yo, can I just come film y'all tricking?" Like, we were like, "Sure, man, come on through." And like, as you'll see in this video, the gym's not packed. This mm-hmm. is like just the homies. That was. Yo, if anyone's watching this video and catches on real quick, you'll see the homie that did the gainer and fell from a previous story. He's just in the video. (laughs) So, like, he's legit. Like, you can see he's in the videos with us. So, clearly, he's legit, you know. Just had a bad day, like uh, Afro Ninja. (laughs) Yeah. Afro Samurai. (laughs) (laughs) It happens to the best of us, man. But what's cool about this, to me, was, like, this was pretty much summed up White Lotus for, like, two, three years. These beginning sessions were literally just... (laughs) The homies, 
you know, oh, doing dumb stuff fun. like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, we're just, just playing around. Stupid, yeah. You know, but like, look how empty the gym is. You know, and I just remembered shortly after this, we had sessions where we literally had to just shut it down. You know, or we'd have to open mm-hmm. the, the garage door because it was so packed. Oh, That's I haven't seen this crazy. in so long. I really haven't watched this video in a long time. Ooh, Ooh nice. the double the nine. double nine to the Sweet hyper. Dude, with the Steve Toronto, the, the classic double B. Oh, he said Bro, that was way before through. I could even double B. That was crazy. I couldn't even double B to us at that time. Yeah, this is crazy to watch. This is before you had your wrist brace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know it's early, Yo, y'all. If you want to know. I learned about my wrist yeah. brace at White Lotus. from uh, I forgot his name, but he used to come and train there. He's the one who put me onto that tiger paw. Yeah, I remember that. If you guys want to know about Kyle, like it, it's the basically the timeline of his videos. If he's not wearing a wrist brace and he's using a fist to do scoop or TD <laughs> that's race, old. that's old school. That's before he learned about the wrist brace, man. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy, man. <laughs> that was like a that was like a shant slash flash kick all at once, bro. That was like a like a, a shout those, out. Those hood side backflip yeah. type of things, like the shans when people was like do, bro. That used to be my joke back in like NASCAR days, bro. Totally. Like that's a throwback. Yo, dude, you know. Oh, so speaking about that. Uh, how long have you been doing martial arts? So before we like talk about your tricking career, how long have you been doing martial arts? And what was your introduction to it? Since I was four. So I, I started doing martial arts when I was four and a half. I went to um, this place. Uh, it's called TAK. It was Traditional American Karate, which ah, was yep. a mix. I forgot the exact styles mixed together, but it was like Taekwondo. It was some Kempo. It was some something. It was Sensei Floyd Burke. That was my first Sensei. I okay, um, cool. got my black belt in that style. I did that for six and a half years, like six years-ish. And then I moved to Sacramento. Okay. And then I started studying under uh, Adam Hamlin, and I did Bok Fu, which was kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, self-defense. And our forms were like kung fu related, mixed with like hard style kind of stuff. But it was mostly fighting. So it was like my first martial arts style was mostly forms and like structure, I feel like. I did that for like six years. And then I did like seven, like six to seven years of like a fighting style. Okay, cool. That's super cool. And then how did you get into competition and tricking? So, what was your first competition? So Mr. Hamlin took me to Compete Nationals 2003. Oh, snap. And I rolled up as like just okay. some karate studio kid, you know, like I come up and I see people who are my friends now. I see Rudy, Matt Emig, Sammy V. People were just doing all these tricks. And I'm like, yo, telling my mom. I'm like, mom, I want to do that. <laughs> like, that looks crazy, right? yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, so... Then I, I was like, Mom, I really want to do this, you know? And then she's like, okay, well, we'll find a way to get you to be able to do this. And then we found this karate school in Sacramento called Jay Phillips. Yeah, and, um, no shit. Yeah, and Anthony Atkins yeah. was actually teaching there at the time. And I started, that's when I started working with Anthony. Okay, uh, I started okay. getting private lessons with him. And then he eventually, it was some point where he needed a, a room to like stay. So we ended up renting him my room. I remember for like a month or two and like me and Cody shared a room and he was just training me and like teaching me forms and stuff like that. And, uh, then I met Rudy, and then Anthony ended up moving away, and then I trained with Rudy like ever since from that point no on. Way, but Anthony was like crazy. my first like sport martial arts instructor, like put me on to tricking, like taught me about like what tricking is, like put me onto the culture, like taught me like the history, like the people involved. Like he's the one who's like my first basis for like what is tricking. You yeah. know, and that's so it's crazy to me that you were from Sacramento, which is basically like a hub and a mecca of tricking. So you were so lucky that you're literally right in the Mecca of tricking without even knowing it. So I feel like it wasn't really a... Sacramento wasn't a Mecca, but San Bay Jose area. Was, yeah, yeah. You know like the, yeah. Just Northern California in general, yeah. But you were oh, within yeah. like a drive's distance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know we would drive there all yeah. the time to train and yeah. go visit, yeah. So how long did you train with Anthony for? 
probably like a year straight before okay. uh, he ended up moving to Philly, I believe. And what did he teach you? Just your fundamental basics or like, did you just learn all the basic tricks under him? Yeah, or? he taught me like basic tricking, how to train, how to create combinations that are unique that other yes. people in your division aren't doing, you know, cause he was always really big on like, don't do the same form that everyone else is doing. Like you got to do your own form, you yeah. know, like you got to do your own combos. You got to do everything. So like he would teach me about like ways to develop new combos that like maybe I necessarily wouldn't think of right away. And, uh, and then just like forms, just like, that's why I did like a lot of in NASCAR. I freestyled like a lot of my forms, like yo, yo, probably like eighty percent, because that's yeah, what Anthony yeah. used to do, and like that was totally. my coach. So it was like a lot of times I'd show up with no form. I'd just show up to the tournament, and I would just go. Like no. I didn't care. There was a couple of times yo, I trained. My Paul, form, pull, pull up this last video over here. Uh oh, what's you, it gonna be? I want to know. If, oh, no, no. There's one where keep going. Nope, that one. Oh my god, yo! This is when the creative yo, division so, came out. <laughs> Did you freestyle this one? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yo, yo, my favorite part of this one is the roll to split. Oh, the roll to the split the punch. Roll to split. Yo, this, this was a 100% joke, this form. I tried to make it start off like I'm super serious. And then watch. You'll see real quick. It breaks down. The groin grab to the Here throw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I'm about to do and something crazy. Saga. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to the turn back kick around. The stomp. The double yeah. stomp. Oh, the soup, soup, the soup. awesome. Oh, yo. With the Chloe Bruce kick, yo. What's <laughs> I'm dying right now. What's cool about this is that, like, you clearly, like, have an understanding of martial arts, but you're not taking yourself too seriously. Oh, like, no, you're, you're, yeah. You're, like, oh, the fun. flying eye gouge, bro. Yeah. Oh, no. That was like a Superman punch eye yo. gouge circa 2005. Yo, I was, trying to, I was trying to just make jokes on everybody's stuff. Ooh. I tried to do everybody's thing that they would do and just turn it into, like, a little funny thing. <laughs> no, that, that's... I remember remember that form distinctly and i was i used to just laugh and i was like dude what people don't realize is that he's he's mocking what everyone's doing yeah yeah like, yeah he's out there taking a piss out of no, the judges did not like it at all <laughs> all my homies thought it was so funny but the judges were not feeling it dude i, I can imagine dude and in the beginning too chris brewster's standing on the right like right here in the corner okay and i'm like judges blah 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 blah. and like as a joke i'm like this is my instructor chris brewster and they look over and he like waves to him and i'm like he's pretty cool i'm like here blah blah, blah i'm gonna go and then i backed up <laughs> they were looking at me like what is going on oh man bro, you need some relief though you need a little bit it can't be too yeah. tense in it you know <laughs> totally and how long how long did you compete on nasca for was it something that you were super into or did you just kind of have fun with it so like, I, you know, I competed 2004 to 2007 okay. uh like most of the tournaments um okay i just kind of had fun i like going to the tournaments and kicking it like I didn't really train too much. Like, I would trick at techniques like, and, like, have fun, but I wouldn't really train too crazy. The only times I ever trained really crazy was when I started training with Scott Wu for traditional weapons. Okay. And I yeah, actually yeah. started, like, winning, like, a couple times when I started training. And uh, did, like, a couple grands where I lost and some runoffs where I lost uh, to Ryan Redfoot. It was, like, at the time was nasty with the traditional yep. oh, weapons. Yeah. Like, that's oh, an OG yeah. traditional totally. weapons, you know? And, uh, and then there was a couple other times where I trained when I was on pro rank, when I got picked up on pro rank. The beginning, I was just kind of like messing around. And then Mr. Kelly one day was like, you need to train, blah, 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 blah. He's like, I'm going to fly you out early to Battle of Atlanta. And he's like, you're going to train with Marcel. And I was like, all right. So like we had pro-ring camp, which was like a week before yeah, Battle of yeah, Atlanta. Totally. And like, so he flew me out like an extra week early. So Marcel could train me. Marcel trained me. The funny thing was I ended up winning first in my, uh, I think it was Extreme Forms Division. Okay. I won the runoffs and then I made it on stage to Grands and I lost to Caitlin DeShell. <laughs> I was like, No. <laughs> 
And like no 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 disrespect to Caitlyn, but I low key gassed it. Like, <laughs> like James Solis at the time, you know, he's my, yeah, my of one of the OG homies. He's like, I don't know how you lost, blah blah blah. He's like, this politics BS, blah blah blah. blah. Like the was politics funny. was crazy back then. I mean, day, she was dope yeah. though. She was no, dope, she was but, dope. She was dope. Yeah, but yeah. I low key gassed it on that one. <laughs> I've had a couple times where like. I, Man, there's one tournament I lost to, and I don't know if I lost to Jeremy or Rudy. I mm. can't remember. It was so long ago, but it was in San Jose. And I got to look it up, but yeah, I got smoked, and I was like, dude, this crowd's got this dude's back. Like, we're in San Jose. <laughs> it was like San Jose Shark City Nationals or something. Oh, I was like, Shark City. I was like, I had no chance at this tournament, bro. We're in these fools' backyards, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was yeah. something like that, but it was crazy. Um, all right, well, I have a question for you then, um, and the reason why I think it's cool to bring you on here and talk about tricking outside of your career and everything like that, which we're going to delve into in a second, is that you're kind of in like this medium generation where like, you know, all of us that are like maybe a few years older than you, they were probably in the adult divisions when you were mm, a teenager. Yeah. And then you've also like stayed in it long enough that you're still connected to like the up and coming kids right now and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, how has the sport changed to you? And like, what do you view tricking as right now? Like, is it what, you, is it everything you thought it would be or is it more or do we still have room to grow? The crazy thing is, is low-key exactly what I thought was going to happen. I thought it was going to happen exactly like skating. I've, all, I've been saying this for years. I feel like the progression of skating and the progression of tricking is almost the same thing. Because I feel like skaters and trickers think very similar. Like mm -hmm. skating started out with street. And it was like street, street, street. And then all of a sudden the vert came in, which is like the power for totally, tricking. You totally. know, tricking started with like martial arts and kicking. And that was like the fundamentals. And then people like, then vert came in and all of a sudden vert got super popular. You know, it was like the big thing, Tony Hawk doing 900s or whatever. And there's like street was kind of like getting like forgotten about. Then yeah. all of a sudden it started emerging again, you know? And then like people were kind of like doing all around everything. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like that's kind of how tricking went. It was like started out martial arts, you know, like karate circuit, tricking in the rings off the side. Then all of a sudden it became like an internet underground culture and then it built up. And it was still like, even in the beginning, inter like internet culture was still mostly kicking and it was mostly yeah, like totally. martial arts style stuff. And then the, the power influence came in and kind of took over for like, I feel like a long time. And then, which is kind of like exactly what skating did. And now it's coming to that point where it's like people are learning the power, but everybody's also learning the tricking variations and the kicking as well. It's like when you look at Shosei, like yeah. craziest tricker right now, you know, and he does all this power stuff. But then when you see him training all the other stuff, he's doing the snapu variations in the middle, the double leg variations, like the, um, I'm blanking on it right now. The scissor, you know, oh, like yeah, all yeah. sorts so, of things so. in the middle of all of his crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I, I had a feeling that it was always going to like merge. It just had to do like a little like, a little like, okay, kicking heavy and then a little power heavy and then kind of come back. And then I feel like it's always going to do that and just like ride that balance. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I know this is uh, something that like people debate about all the time and things like that. But what is your stance on battling are you like a supporter of where it's at right now in the community do you think that it helps us and benefits us in any way and i know this is a, a topic that's up for debate quite yeah I, I think so i really enjoy battling like i love battling and i, I really even most of the battles i've ever entered i lost like i'm not even like a, it's not even like my thing that i'm like good at like i'm not even a good battler but like it's just it, it's one of those things like it's it's just like a friendly competition. I feel like so many people get so caught up with it sure. being something super personal, you know, where it's like, oh, I don't want to do it, you know, like it's like scary or something. But like at the end of the day, it's the same thing as doing like playing like a game with somebody like if i'm playing call of duty with you you know and yeah, it's yeah. like blah, 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 and i win it's like okay it's a game whatever and you keep going like that's exactly how a battle is it's just like putting your skill up to 
an immediate test that's kind of like a challenge because there's pressure, you know, and like if you can do those tricks in under those circumstances, like then you really got those tricks, you know, yeah, you yeah. really do. If you can do these combos in battle, like you got that combo, you know, 100%. it's not like you did it once for like a video and you just got the video of it and like you can't do it again. It's like you, you got that. Like if you're battling stuff, like that's the moves you got, you know? Totally. And I think the cool thing about battling, which it really, really uh, showcases is your ability to do something on command within the moment at any given time under the bright lights. Yeah. And essentially what that is, and the reason why I think a lot of us, uh, and I say us in terms of old school trickers or guys who grew up on the martial arts circuit, mm. I think the reason why we enjoy it is that it's very similar to doing a form. Yeah. It's the same thing as like going up on stage, you don't have a team with you, you know, maybe team battles you do, but performing and doing a NASCA form is very similar to doing a tricking battle where you're up there just showcasing your individual skills. The only person that's at fault if you mess up is yourself. Yeah. There's yeah. like no way you can like be like, oh, my yeah. teammate didn't pass me the ball or yeah, like yeah. he didn't set a screen for me over here or like he didn't block for me. It's like, if you fall, you fall. And one of the cool things about that though is that it translates very well into the entertainment industry. 100 percent yeah you know? <laughs> and so as someone that has transitioned into uh into the entertainment industry um what do you think is the most valuable thing for someone that's thinking about joining it skill set wise like what should they be training at this point separate from getting an industry what should they be training right now i would say just train um moves that you know paul paul's saying we're getting a little hot you can just push your mic away oh push it away yeah, okay. yeah just a little bit yeah it's all good I kyle, was, kyle pro actually projects very well yeah yeah i used to teach at white lotus <laughs> exactly teach at Jam. Yes, Yo, you need me to teach a class yeah. what's up <laughs> how's, that, how's that paul we looking good yeah, all right cool okay um i would say just train um for like like industry work like you know they they the complex stuff isn't as crazy you just want big picturesque movements yes. like like a full double leg is way crazier than a double full in the mm -hmm. entertainment industry because it's like double triple they low-key don't even understand like it's, it's 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 just they see you jump spin something if they can see you jump do something and make a picture where it's like okay he jumped he spun he did this pose you know like yep. that's what you need so it's like like you want the big clean moves, legs straight, toes pointed, everything super extended. Like you don't want it like this or like all hunched up, you know, like just make everything really clean and really big. Like everything needs to be big, clean and showcases exactly what you're doing. Yeah, totally. I think it's very uh, mind blowing for some people when they, they see the, the uh, performances that we're in or they see like something on camera and they're all kind of like, why didn't you do something cooler? And the quite, the, basically, the reality of it is, is sometimes we have the ability or the choice to, but sometimes we're dictated what we're told to do by oh, the choreographer. Yeah. Uh, but also, it's just about doing something clean and replicable so that you could do over and over and over again at yeah. any given time. Sometimes you got to do like... 30 takes, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, And you really can hit the craziest move you could do 30 times in a row on yes. concrete with some shoes and maybe a wardrobe that's kind of heavy or something. Like, yeah. it's so, not all in your favor. And the ground slippery, you know? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it could be whatever. Like, and, that, and that's another thing that people don't take into account is that they don't realize on a lot of these shoots we're fighting all the elements oh we're crazy. fighting limited space we're fighting wardrobe that may not fit the best or shoes that are a little crazy another thing you may not notice if you guys watch any music video at any time have you ever noticed that the street looks shiny and glossy that's not visual effects it's because they wet the damn road down <laughs> so anytime we're on a film or a music video or we're shooting outside and you're like damn that asphalt looks mad crispy 
It's nah. because they wet the ground down, and guys. It's slippery. It's but called it's a wet very down. Very slippery. So half the times we're out there doing tricks, we're in clothes we're not comfortable in. We're tricking in wet ground. We're having to do it over and over again with mus- musical cues for those of us that can count. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not even just worrying about yourself. You're worrying yeah. about like maybe somebody else running in front of you, and you got to time it right afterwards. And maybe that person like might mess up, which might mentally throw you off a little bit. And it's like you want to make sure you're going to hit your stuff like. Every time. I know that you had a really crazy experience one time doing a live show where you basically, uh, I forget which artist it was, but you basically almost killed her if you did, if you would have swung through your TD Nicole range, Scherzinger. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and like, what that proves though is just like being able to be in the moment and not just do your combo just to do your combo. Oh, yeah, it's like yeah. being able to be live, look around, see what's happening. So what happened in that? That, that, that was luckily, I've, I think I was already like four years into the game at that point. I had some good experience. Because like, I feel like a young me, I might have just committed, been like, I'm supposed to do this i gotta do I don't it i would have just my did it yeah, yeah i don't want to yeah. get in trouble like i gotta do my thing but like so we were doing this thing where uh me and nicole scherzinger she's walking sideways and i'm tricking behind her uh parallel so we're like kind of like like a railroad you know she's going this way i'm going this way and she's supposed to go straight sideways and what happens is she starts drifting back and i'm i don't even remember what the exact combo was but i'm doing something something i'm supposed to do tdr cork I do my touchdown raise, and as my hand is coming down, I like out of my peripheral, I look over and I see a foot like step back, and I'm like, uh oh. And instead of swinging, I literally just relax my left leg, I drop to my knee. <laughs> I was like, boom. Because if I would have swung, it would have went right up the backside of her head. Like, wham. You would have been on the news. You oh, been TMZ. Nicole Scherzinger got KO'd. Yeah, Nicole Scherzinger gets blammied by back. Yeah, yeah. Damn. I know they wouldn't even call me a tricker. I would yeah. have been a backup dancer. <laughs> no, nah, and that's what people don't understand is that like when we're a part of these shows, it's all about the artist. We're just like a small little puzzle piece. Mm-hmm, we're, yeah. we're like one of a thousand pieces, yeah. which doesn't matter in some regards, but it also does matter because you're crucial to the overall thing. Oh, yeah. And sometimes these artists, they have so much pressure and cues and they're trying to remember their lyrics that, yeah, they get caught up. I yeah, remember... Yeah. Um, <laughs> My first year in the industry, I worked on the Grammys with some stunt ringers, and we did a show with Beyonce, where at the very end of the show, Beyonce was going to walk to the back of stage, and she was going to go, boom, and two guys would have walked out at that time and got launched back on wires, so like to just show her power. We rehearsed for like three days. It was incredible, insane setup to set up wires during the Grammys. Mm. It's not an easy thing. Yeah, wires in a live show. Yeah, wires in a live show, and not only that, but not just (laughs) like lifting a guy up. We're launching guys and having him eat the ground. That's crazy, yeah. So we're like rehearsing this for a week. We're getting it all dialed in. Like it's cost a lot of money, just like eight riggers alone to like set it up and all the equipment and trailers. We get through the performance. The performance is going crazy. She gets to the end. We're like, oh, we're getting to that part. And she does not walk backwards. She just is in the moment, just vibing with the audience. So our two stuntmen walk out. They look at each other and they walk off stage. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like... Damn, a week of yo, money for a goes Sometimes, but yo, it's Beyonce's world. We just living yeah, in it, yeah, dog. Yeah. Like sometimes you got to just not go out. <laughs> yo, I've been there it. before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Um, so that's a crazy story. But I think it's really important because I want kids out there to realize it's not about doing the hardest tricks. It's about doing the tricks that you're comfortable with and the cleanest. If you're looking to do it from a professional standpoint in the industry, yeah, yeah. How many times have you had to do a double B twist, double cork, or double full on set? On set? Yeah. Never. <laughs> Never. But I have done it in auditions before. And then <laughs> I booked the job and I've even asked, like, do you want to, do you want me to do this? And I'll like do the double B twist for him. And they're like, well, let's see something else. I do a JSEP gainer. They're like, that one. That one. We love that one. Bro. You're gonna do that one. Bro, I remember I, I no did a, I, 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 I booked a Dell commercial. I went into uh, the fitting 
for my wardrobe fitting and like I went off in the audition same as you I was throwing down everything and they're like hey we have this clip we want you to do Ariel yeah <laughs> because it's, it's a, clean it's a picture it's clean. it's clean they can understand it and it almost falls within the realm of of the average human thinking they could do it yeah you know what I'm saying yeah, like they yeah, see it yeah. and they're like oh he kind of did a car wheel without his hands whereas like as soon as you start doing all this people are like oh he trained forever but you could get lucky enough that you may be able to do this or huck a backflip yeah, yeah, which is yeah. why i feel like half the world's always like can you do a backflip it's yeah like, yeah it's relatable yeah, yeah exactly yeah. They're, they're obsessed with it um that's that's just absolutely crazy bro. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember there was one point where i was there was a couple auditions i did where i was doing like tdr double cork i was doing double b twist and when i realized that i was never ever going to use it i just stopped doing the auditions yeah, like exactly it's yeah i was like pain. i was gonna do a super huge yeah. cartwheel full double leg i used to always start my auditions with a mm-hmm. huge cartwheel full double leg and everyone would go crazy yeah. like yeah, he would always you, that, you would always do that, and you would always do an X out. Yeah, X and you out would always for sure, do like yeah. like a scoot cork round or scoot yeah, something, something with yeah. like a twist with like yeah. a kick extension at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, were you there for the step up four audition when my man did the round off flash the, kick the in phone? the phone? <laughs> Yo, Freak. Yo, so y'all. You, I think you got to tell us one. <laughs> Yo, this was a crazy story, you guys. So we've seen some crazy things in the industry. And one of them that, that I remember distinctly was... Uh, Matt, was that Matt Debbie doing that choreo? Yeah. No, <laughs> Shout out to Matt. Shout out to East Coast, Yo, baby. Me, Matt, Danny, we were all struggling. Struggling to do some dance choreo, y'all. That was the problem. We were grouped in with the dancers back in the day. Yo. We're trying to tell them, like, Yo, just, like, we don't, just tell we don't, us where we don't to do, do this. Flip, yeah, you know? we, we don't do this. There's a couple of us that dance, yeah. But anyways, we're at, we're at an audition for Step Up for um and it was a big audition we're talking like it's packed full of everyone freestyling and this is one of those auditions where it's like it's just freestyle round people are going out trying to just show off Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden this random dude who like here's the thing not to be rude but none of us know who he is and like if you're out here doing flips and we don't know who you are you're probably suspect. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, it's not a big community out here that'd be doing yeah, tricks yeah. and flips. Like. Especially at that time. Like, if we didn't yeah. see you at the gym, my man, like, yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. You're probably suspect or watching YouTube videos. <laughs> like. But anyways, this guy takes off. He says, round off, backflip. And in midair, all of a sudden, all you hear is, ooh, ooh. And that's because midair, my man's phone dislodged from his pocket, flies into the crowd, Hits a girl straight in right the here, face. like right here. <laughs> and I, did she start bleeding from her nose? Bleeding, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Blessing. Like we all were like, oh. And the dude thinks it's for him, so he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, represent. Yeah, yeah. He's like going off, and we're like, no, no, stop, stop, stop. Yo. That one was crazy. <laughs> that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. My man, that is one way to make a first impression. Yo. Yeah. One way to make poor, a first impression. She got impression. blammied. I feel bad. Like, that was, a, that was coming in hot, too. Like, that phone was coming in hot. Like, I can't even believe that. You Like, you can't even write some of these things. It's no, so no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, that is crazy. Um, that was well, definitely one of the craziest audition moments I think I've ever seen. One of the craziest ones of all time. Well, for those of you um, that are out there and for those listeners that are considering breaking into the entertainment industry, let's Let's talk a little bit about your story. So mm. we go backwards a little bit. You went, came and visited me. You eventually moved down to LA. And then I think the first job that you did was actually Chris Brown music video. Yep. Is that right? Yep. So so can you just walk our, our listeners through kind of the basics of the starting of your career? And then I guess we can get into some specifics about like how they could do so themselves. For sure. Okay. So in the beginning, I moved down. Um, I was staying with our unnamed friend who did the gainer <laughs> that... <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, 
so so I was staying there. We were going to White Lotus. We were training. And then uh, Guy De Silva, one of the homies, shout out to Guy. Um, he connected us with Chris Brown for some videos because Chris Brown like loves martial arts. He loves tricking. He thinks it's really cool. And uh, we ended up doing this music video for him where we did like fighting and like uh, some tricks and like some chase scenes and stuff like that. And uh, it was really cool. It was a really fun experience. And um, from then on, I started trying to like book more jobs like that. I was like, oh, this is fun. Like this is is cool doing some stuff like this. You know, I like this. So I ended up getting with Clear Talent. Shout out Clear Talent Group, you know. Yep, yep, Travis Wong, you know, Clear up in the billing. (laughs) We all signed with Clear. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so I ended up signing with Clear. Um, Started getting auditions, started going to these auditions. um, Booked a couple jobs. Forewarning, if you're going and you're going to audition, you ain't going to book every audition. So get that out of your head right away. Like, it's not, like, don't ever think that. Like, people, I feel like some people come to LA and, like, they don't book, like, three auditions in a row and they're like, they leave. This is not for me. Oh, my, like, you did three auditions, right? Like, I've probably done hundreds of auditions and booked, like, 10%, 20% of them, you know? Like, sometimes you got to just show up and do the thing, you know? Like, you might not, and the crazy thing is sometimes you audition, you don't get that job, but that choreographer or something remembers you for another thing in the future, and then you get a job, you know? But anyways, so I started auditioning more. Um, I did that Rihanna video. Uh, Me and Jeremy did that. Um, And then I actually auditioned for Footloose to be like a freestyler. Yeah, And they approached me after the audition. They were like, hey, um, have you ever doubled anyone before? And I was like, Nah, like, do you want to? I was like, yeah. They're like, well, you're the perfect height, your perfect requirements uh, to double Kenny, the lead actor. Like, you could do his flips. And I was like, all right, dope. So I ended up doing Footloose. I worked on that for three weeks. I did two weeks in Atlanta, came back to LA, did one more week out there, and then came back. And that was my first, like, movie experience. Dang, crazy. That was tight. Yeah, yeah. And I remember at the time, like, this is back when everyone's still struggling and broke. So, like, to get on a SAG movie contract was a lot back Bro, and it was crazy because, like, I got, like, a good amount of money in, like, three weeks. And, like, bro, I learned in my head i was like oh yeah that's i'm gonna start booking all these jobs making all this money my money went so fast yo like, <laughs> the best investment i bought was my camera though yes my the camera rea- the reality and a lot LA. of food yes i was yes. eating out food all day every day you know Nonsense. buying weed from the cannabis clubs yeah. like buying the most expensive stuff i could get then all of a sudden i'm like oh my money's kind of <laughs> going away like i need to save my money and then i realized like oh i just I got like a nice bit of luck and I started out good, but it doesn't, doesn't necessarily work like that. Like, it's not like you just go and then you're just going like from the, from the get go, you know? And like you said, you're not going to book every job. It takes a little bit of luck with everything, but there is like a a certain process that people can kind of follow if they're trying to get into Mm -hmm. it. So, um, what we're going to speak about right now for all of you out there listening is specifically trying to utilize tricking or let's say acrobatics for performance art in the sense of live shows or trying to do music videos and things like that. It's separate from stunts, which is, mm-hmm. you know, which we'll have a lot of other guests on the show talk about. Um, but the reason why I want to have Kyle on is because he's worked a lot with artists and mm-hmm. doing that stuff. So I just wanted to specifically talk about that and the way to get into that. So for someone that's interested in that, what is the best advice for them? Would you say to seek out a dance agency or what would be the best form or, or course of action? Yeah, definitely seek out an agency. I would say um, put together a, a package yep. that has some headshots of you uh, maybe some tricking shots preferably you know you get some tricking shots in there um, headshots tricking shots a little reel mm-hmm. of you tricking but not really in the gym because you could you could put like one or two gym clips in there if you want to but they don't really care too much no, like they want to see what you're going to do on the concrete with your shoes on and your full like you know like a jacket like something like cool you know like something yes. aesthetically cool to see 
Um, so put together a reel. And then if you've done any jobs before that, maybe like even if it's something minor, like a fair performance or like, you know, you've done like a demo like somewhere. Like a talent show yeah, for talent high school. Show, anything. You know? Just yeah. create like a little resume. So you have a, a little resume. You have some photos. And then you have a video. And then I would submit that to one of the major dance agencies, which they have like Clear, Block, uh, um, MSA. MSA. Um, but I would go to Clear first. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. And then submit to one of the agencies. And then from there, you start getting auditions. And then from there, you show up to the auditions. Um, you just literally, you display your talent to the best of your ability. And you just be a good person. Yeah. That's, I always tell people that. Like, there's a lot of people that are talented and like, but if you're not a good person, like people might not want to hire you, you know, because it's like you could be talented, but like if you're like super annoying or like hella needy or like you, you're like talking too much when you shouldn't be, like people don't want to work with you that long if you're going to be doing stuff like that, you know, like it's just how the game goes. Like oh, <laughs> that's God. like that's the social yeah. human side of it. It's like you have the talent side, but if you're going to work a job for four weeks or five weeks with someone, like they got to be able to tolerate you. Like <laughs> totally. I tell people that all the time. It's not about like what you know, it's who you know. And mm. then even from there, it's about what people perceive and how Love people you. view you. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like when I start going on these movie runs for like, you know, three, six months at a time, sometimes at the beginning of the run, I question why a certain guy was there. But then like a weekend, I'm like, oh, this guy's here because he makes everyone laugh. Yeah. He may not be like the best performer, but everyone's laughing in this room. And, yeah, like, yeah. That's his asset to the team is mm -hmm. he makes us all comfortable for five months. Yeah. Know? So. Bro, everyone's got to play their part. You totally. Know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's really great advice for, for kids that are coming. So develop a package, try to get that package out to agency. Yeah. And then from there, just go on auditions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty easy. Because um, there's, there's not that many triggers out there. So agencies would be real keen to pick, pick up triggers, you know. It's not like a. Like, they have thousands of dancers. Yeah. Thousands yeah. of dancers, totally, you know. But, totally. like, tricking is not super common. So, it's like, submit. There's a there's definitely a high percentage one of them's going to pick you up, for sure. If And I would say the major hubs for those of you that are taking this seriously, I'd say Los Angeles, New York, mm -hmm. and Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Probably right now, those are the three major hubs you could probably get representation for tricking and with a dance agency and then try yeah. to get out from there. Yeah, that's where That's where a lot of music videos and things like that are shot. Mm -hmm. So, that's cool. So specifically in your story you come out here you sign with the agency you start working with a lot of artists like the stories that we talked about mm -hmm. then obviously the biggest one that everyone asks you about is the justin bieber tour JD, so baby. how did how did this come about how did the bieber tour come about so bieber tour came about from doing exactly what we just talked about training and being talented but being a good person so yeah. my homie nick demora who's the shout creative out. director and choreographer bieber shout out for purpose tour um Nick literally called me one day. I was driving down. I remember I was driving down to my grandma's house for Christmas. It was with my family. My phone rings. I'm like, Nick Demore. I'm like, okay. So at first in my head, I'm like, oh, it's going to be like a, normally he would call me for like a, a VMAs or like a, a, some sort of like AMA award like show. Like a live show. You know, like a three day rehearsal, yeah. like one, one day job out, you know, like a quick one. I answer the phone. The first thing he's like, what are you doing for the next two years? <laughs> I'm like, two, two, two years. years. Like, let me check my calendar. I'm like, hold up, bro. What? I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm doing next week, bro. Yeah. Like, two years. Like, what? He's like, do you want to go on tour? And I was like, yeah, like I, I do. That would be really cool. And he's like, all right, well, like I, I want to bring you on for tricking. And uh, you know, who, who would you want to like do this with? And I was like, I want to do it with Rudy. You know, yeah, Rudy, like totally. super talented, like my best friend. I was like, yeah, like let's do it. She's like, all right, I'm gonna call Rudy. Calls Rudy, and then boom, we're both booked. And then no purpose tour for the next year and a half. <laughs> so how long did you guys rehearse before you actually left Two town? months rehearsal. We Two did. Rehearsal. 2016, it was January and February. Rehearsal Monday through Saturday. Dang. 
And how many numbers did you guys have to learn? How long was the duration of the show? So the whole show was probably like maybe somewhere between an hour and 45 minutes and two hours, depending on like... You know, different times, like, you know, like changing stuff like that. Are you on stage the whole time or how many numbers do you No, no, I was on, I did like the first four songs and then there was like a break of like maybe four or five songs and then me and Rudy came out for like two more and then there was like an acoustic break and then we came back out, like did one, didn't do one and then did like the last two. Dope. But it was like, I mean, you know how it goes for some of you don't know. We come in real quick, you know, we do our thing, Bob, Bob, it's like... Maybe 15, 20 seconds and then yeah. off, you know? Like. Yeah, yeah. How, and how did you manage that? Because the one thing that is, I guess, cool about it is that it's consistent money and pay. Mm-hmm. But I guess the downfall of it would also be that it's literally repetitive. Like, it's so consistent. You're doing the same routine every night. How was yeah. that creatively for you? Creatively? Yeah. <laughs> like, how was that? Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, that would get tiring for me. It oh. would get a little monotonous, you know? Like, Bro. I, I'd have to, like, try to switch it up or, like, or, or do you just go on autopilot and you're, like... I'm just doing this. Autopilot, bro. Yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those things where, like, um, the job, like, you know, the first 20 shows was pretty crazy. It was, like, my first experience, like, performing in front of that many fans that are really that crazy. Like, the Bieber fans are no joke. Yeah, yeah. They hold it down. Like, every person in there is screaming at the top of their lungs, like, crazy, you know? Totally. Like, it, yeah, it's, yeah. like, it was a crazy experience. Like, the first probably 20 shows, but then it was, like, you know, you get to show 40, 60, 80, Damn. 100, 120, 140, you know, like you get into these Damn. crazy numbers and it's like, we doing the same show. You How know? many did you guys do total? Do you know the number? I don't know. I miss all of South America because I dislocated my shoulder in Australia and I had to come home. I saw you when you came home. for six yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah and yeah. I met back up with them in the Middle East, but I missed uh, the South American Lake. So I missed probably like almost 20 shows or something Damn. like that but you still I still did 100 you I did like 130 some I think maybe Holy they did like 150 shit. something I might that's be wrong but crazy. it's something around there yeah that's a long time that's a super long time yeah I'm doing and, pretty much the same show and how did you hurt yourself in in Australia in yeah. Perth yeah so me and Rudy come out so the first song uh the stage is set up where it's like there's a main stage and then there's a ramp and it comes out to a B stage and the main stage was covered. So we're doing stuff in the first song, blah, 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 whatever. We fit nothing's, nothing's out of the norm, you know, so everything's cool. And we go up to the B stage and there was like humidity or moisture or something okay. that was on the stage. Ah. And me and Rudy, first thing we do is come on and flip right away, you know? So we didn't feel it, didn't notice it. We come, we both go out to flip, gainer, boom, Rudy slips and falls. And I didn't fall, I, I didn't slip for some reason. So Rudy falls, boom. I didn't, I didn't see him fall. I land, I go chop punch, I'm going to do cart full the other direction, and as I go cartwheel, I go to jump and do my full, and both of my feet at the same time, oh. out from under me. Like, it was. I went into that straight falling feeling, I was yep. like, oh no. And Lost. I like fell on my side, I fell like on this side, and my arm was like this, and my shoulder went click, click, like it literally popped up, and then it like popped down. And I like never dislocated my shoulder before, but I immediately was like, I, did, I knew what that sound was. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. I dislocated my shoulder. Like I felt, it. Boom, boom. I stood up. The crazy thing was, I stood up, still hit the last B twist, holding my arm, boom, with Rudy synchronized, boom, boom, and then ran off stage. Damn. And then uh, I was, I went to the back, and then Nick comes running back there, and he's like, 
what's going on? I've never seen you and Rudy both fall, <laughs> fall ever. Yeah. Like, what is what is going yeah. on? You know, I was like, yo, the B stage is really wet. Tell all the dancers, like, tell everybody. I was like, my shoulder's definitely dislocated, but I'm okay. I'm like, you can leave me here. I'm like, go, you know, go handle yeah, the Yeah, go the finish show. the yeah, show, yeah. yeah. Then I ended up chilling there. And the crazy thing was my shoulder, I thought it was like back in place because this lady, uh, she was like a physical therapist or something that was like in the back of the arena. And she was like, yeah, like it seems to be okay. Like I, I could move my arm like this. I could move my arm like this, but I couldn't move it this way. External rotation. Bro, yeah. like it was like that, and I was like, something's got to be wrong, you know. Yeah. We went to the next city, and I'm just kind of like, man, my shit still feels kind of weird. I'm sleeping in a in a Melbourne. I'm sleeping in the hotel, like three in the morning. I roll over, and I wake up to a kunk, and I like, I wake up and I stand up like fully, yeah. like I'm standing on my bed, like in my underwear, like the, the sheets fall off. I'm standing there. I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is either really good or this is really bad. I go like this. I go like this. And then I move it and it opens and I was like, oh, it's like it's it relocated. Back in place. Yeah, ended up going to the hospital later that night um, and got the uh, MRIs and the X-rays and stuff. And they're like, yeah, it's back in place. And the doctor's actually telling me, he's like, you have a rare dislocation. He's like, ninety percent of all dislocations come out the front and then they go back in. He's like, yours went out the back. Damn. Came back in. I was like, oh no, is that bad? He's like, no, it's actually really good. It's better, like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, because the back is like a lot stronger. Or yeah, something. It is. So he's like, the likelihood that you'll do it again is like next to none. That's and crazy. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. It was crazy because when you came home and visited, it was at the time when I had torn my shoulder, and I think I was about to have shoulder surgery. <laughs> and I was oh, sitting yeah. here like, "Damn, this is crazy, man!" Like, Bro, I can't believe no <laughs> there no. This was honestly the hardest recovery of my entire life. Like, mm-hmm. way harder than both knee surgeries. I would yeah. never want this again. So, that's crazy. Um, so you got sustained injury. You missed twenty shows. So when that happens, what happens on stage? Is Rudy still doing the routine? Did they bring a substitute in? Or no, nah, Rudy's still doing the routine. Um, he just had to change it up a little bit like so say there would be a there say there's moments where um luigi and david or uh, luigi and keebs the for the year that i was on um they would maybe do something where like me and rudy would push them like out you know like i would go one way and rudy would go the other way and that would just turn into like rudy going like this yeah and there was a time where rudy cut his knee and got stitches i I heard about this i had to do seven shows by myself too so like i would just do the same thing like i would be in the middle going like this instead of both of us like doing a movement like that so we would take whatever movements that we did that were like say i was like this and he was like that and like we would just incorporate it together you know and just kind of be like a centerpiece instead of like a side piece and what was one of the craziest experiences you remember from tour? Is there anything that like stands out in your mind from that experience? Because it had to be crazy. Because honestly, that was at the time probably one of the biggest world tours of its kind, just because of who it was in general. Dang! I mean, we had some crazy times in all the cities. There was okay. some in Berlin. Like we like we were just exploring, riding the bikes everywhere. Like the the best part was honestly the off days. You we know? Get to we get to cities. go do whatever we wanted to do. You know, yeah. like it was like we like obviously we we're still on tour, but we weren't like at work then. It was like yeah, kind yeah. of like off. We could go do whatever we want. So like Berlin, we like broke into this like abandoned theme park and we're like adventuring Shit. around. And then like Paris was super cool because uh, we we're going. To the, I went to the Louvre. I was looking at the Mona Lisa, Damn. like looking at all these crazy stuff. And uh, I met um, Medi. Oh yes, yes, back in yes, the day, which yes. is crazy because I we known about each other online for totally, years. Totally, man. Totally, yeah, yeah. We finally got to meet up, so that was super cool. For those of you that don't know, Medi used to film and put a lot of Anissa's training clips online. So yeah, because like, Anissa don't put no videos. Anissa, yeah. <laughs> like there, there was the old school uh, Devil Flash Kick. I think oh, that yeah. was on Medi's account back yep, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I feel like um, just exploring the cities was like my favorite. Like South Africa, Cape Town. 
and just taking photos everywhere was crazy. Dope. Okay. Yeah, that was what helped me kind of like fall in love with the photo stuff like even more. It was like traveling and being like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and what was the favorite city you visited? Or do you have one in mind? I, I can't really pick a favorite, okay. but like I would say like my maybe like, like top five yeah for the listeners out here we're in, five in no, spots in, to go to in no particular order i would say probably cape town amsterdam tokyo um berlin was really cool okay and mumbai india Ooh, was crazy that was like a culture shock like if you want to see just some cool completely different cultural stuff like that was sick. Okay. Like, and shout out to my homie uh, Ishan, Circle of Confusion on Instagram. He Dope. like met up with it. He was a he's a homie from out there. Like he just hit me up on Instagram, was like, hey, I want to show you around, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, let's rock. He's like, all right, I'm gonna be at the hotel at 5 a.m. I was like, what for real? And like, sure enough, he showed up at 5 a.m. We met. <laughs> like, we like we rocked all day long. He took us to these like flower That's markets dope. in the morning before the sun even came out. These people are like selling flowers in this like alleyway. Like, it took us all over to all the craziest spots. Like, That's that wild. was tight. Like, I love travel, like culture stuff like that. Like. Yeah, that's dope. cool. That's cool. Seeing the world and getting paid, there's nothing better. Yeah, than that. yeah. Was there anything interesting that you saw? I, I, tell me if this rumor is true or not. I heard that uh, part of his rider contract, Bieber brings around full skate ramps, but he don't use them. <laughs> <laughs> so from his laugh, it must be true. From yo, the laugh, yo, it must be true. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard. I heard my man has a full skate like skate ramps that come city to they, city because they were going to be in the show. Ah, they okay. they were. Uh, they were there was gonna be this whole skating section where like okay. skaters like like the, they were originally like the dancers were doing choreography with the skateboards and stuff and then it was getting oh, kind of hectic. Where, that's like, risky. Yeah, because the skateboard could fly risky, right risky, off. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> right, that, that foam yeah. the skateboard. Yeah, boom, risky. You know? uh, yeah, and they're gonna have like some pro skaters come in and do some stuff, and then that okay. ended up like not going through a hundred percent and the ramps were still there because they like built the ramps and stuff and then they just ah. ended up being like all right well beavers like let's just bring them around <laughs> so we just brought if them, i yeah. want to skate i'll skate <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that is crazy it's pretty crazy and did you see anything that like blew your mind from like a fan standpoint like i i, I remember seeing snapchats where like they're just waiting outside y'all's hotel rooms chanting oh, and shit. Oh, it'd be like <laughs> all hours of the night. It'd be I'm like, like one o'clock in the morning. You hear like, like if you're baby, fans, yeah. baby, baby. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, hit my head's in my I'm pillow. Like, I'm, like, oh. I'm like, come on, please. That's what I'm saying, like, yo, if you're a fan, let them sleep. And the crazy thing <laughs> is, some cities would be leaving, like in the in the sprinter vans, you know, like leaving the arena, and fans are coming up and like banging on the window, like, boom, boom. I'll never forget. I don't even remember what city it was, but my head was on the window and I was super tired because I remember we got mad drunk the night before and I was hungover and I had to do the show and I was hit. And after the show, I just wanted to go to sleep. So we're driving back to the hotel. We're like going through the traffic or going exiting the traffic of the arena and all the people because there's like people everywhere. And I'm just like, all right, I'm going to put my head right here and relax. I put my head there for like 10 seconds and all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom on the window. I'm like, whoa. And I see this girl's face like this. She's like, where's Justin? Where's Justin? I'm like, whoa! Like, what's going on? And there's like, bro, it looked like zombies. Like, that's crazy. It was, it was crazy. How, like, how old was she? Was she? She was a young fan, 13, oh, 14. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. like so she's just living her best yeah. life. And yeah, and there's like hundreds of them, like totally. like rounding up the sprinter vans. And it's like, first of all, 
He's not in the. He's not in the like, Splinter Van. Yeah, you know? no, no, no. Who's <laughs> not like, in the not, van with everyone? He's not there, you know. And uh, it's crazy that they would just surround the vehicles and like. I'm like, yo, this is low key dangerous yeah. at this point. You people know? get like, trampled and shit. It's like, crazy. The, yeah, the fanhood is crazy because there's some fans that are like mad cool. You know, they got respect. You know, like they do it, and there's some that just push it like over the limit. Where they it's lose like their goddamn. Yeah, mind yeah, they just yeah. lose their mind, and you're like, yo, like it's it's really not that serious. Is there know? a country like, or culture that's like more fanatical than another or was it all just because they're all believers they were just a hundred i feel like most of the places they were all like pretty crazy i I don't think there was one where it was like they're extra crazier i feel like maybe the cities that he didn't visit that often yeah like they would be like oh like beavers here you know they'd go crazy but like i feel like it's all pretty much the same damn that's crazy all right (laughs) but yeah now they're wild so then what happens with the tour like i remember you were on tour for a while and then all of a sudden it got canceled yeah yeah we did um 2017 we did our last europe leg which was june through july it was just one month it was like june 1st to like july 1st or 2nd or something like that we came back and then we got a call and i was like yeah the tour's canceled and at first we all kind of thought it was like a joke we're like oh maybe it's like a joke or something and then it ended up being true and then yeah then it was just done that's crazy. And it was sad because I really wanted to go to Hong Kong, and we were going to go to Hong Kong. Oh, so, so what leg did you miss, the Asian tour? or? Yeah, we had some stuff they were going to do in Asia that didn't didn't work out. Damn, that's crazy. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe down the road he'll oh, do another re I'll, I'll shoot photos for it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not checking for <laughs> totally, it. Totally, yeah. I'll shoot photos for it. So how's your body holding up these days? I know that shortly thereafter you had a little bit of a back problem. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I hurt my back on tour. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was trying to like stretch and take care of it. We got like an inversion table for like, um, I think most of the American leg. And then I don't know if we had it in Europe or not. I feel like maybe we didn't, but I remember in the beginning we had the inversion table, so I was always trying to hit the inversion table. Like I was stretching in my hotel room, like going like this and doing those like bridges and stuff. And uh, but it's just so much hard stage and flipping over and over again that just kind of like beat me down a little bit. And just that that initial injury where I hurt myself like in the very beginning, it was like that, and then like doing the show kind of like beat me up. And uh, yeah, so now I have two bulging discs in my back, my L4, L5, L5, S1. One Damn. is a eight millimeter bulge and one is a six millimeter bulge. So like, it's a little beat up. Yeah. Uh, last year I took six months off from tricking. I didn't flip at all for six months, which is crazy. I remember that, yeah. That was the longest point since I started tricking that I didn't do any tricks for. You know, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it was definitely weird. And during that time I was going through like my psychological acceptance of me being a photographer now instead of a tricker totally. you know because it's like you meet people and like one of the first questions they're always oh what's up oh, what do you do you know and i'm like oh i'm a trigger I'm like in my head i'm like ah i'm becoming a photographer now you know yeah, i gotta get used yeah. to like be, that's me you know totally like, so during that time i had like my little like oh i'm like i'm not a tricker anymore blah, blah, blah. like my body's beat up and then like i was like it's okay like you know like you love photos same thing and then i ended up being like all right it's cool and then now i'm at the point where i'm like okay yeah i'm a photographer like it's what i do like okay so are you fully retired from doing live shows and performance stuff as far I'll, as i'll do concerned? live performance stuff with choreographers i like yes or if yes. it's a job with a bunch of friends that i want to do and i know it's like a short one and it's like quick like in and out like not like a three month type of thing you yeah, know like yeah. i wouldn't do that but i would definitely do some like one-offs here and there like with some people i'd want to do it with like okay if for some reason we had some job and it was like you were doing it and like yeah. a bunch of other <laughs> so people were doing it, yeah, yeah. Sammy's doing it, I you know, like, it too. Yeah, yeah, Rudy, Matt, yeah. we just throw down real quick. I would be down. Like, yeah, <laughs> at this point in my career, I'm in the same boat. We're like, I'm, yeah. I'm picking and choosing what I yeah. do from oh, here on yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It's gonna be real picky. Um, all right, well that's cool. But like you said, you kind of segued into it right now, and it looks like the focus is gonna be just full steam photography from here on out. And yeah. for those of you out there that um, 
don't recognize Kyle or his handle being up on screen before. If any of you follow me on Instagram, you have seen Kyle's work every other post (laughs) on my page. (laughs) Any of those lifestyle (laughs) pictures you see where I'm out there looking like I'm lost in an industrial city, those are taken by Kyle. Yeah. Shout out shout out to James Young for that description. He's yeah. like, bro, you just look like you're lost in these cities everywhere. Hey, that's tight, though. <laughs> uh, that's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, man. So, I know you've been really breaking into the photography game right mm-hmm. now. So, what does that entail? Are you working for brands? Are you working freestyle? Are you doing headshots, portraits? What's your goal right now? Okay. So, right now, I'm freelancing, and I'm also working with a group called Campus Lens, which Dope. Campus Lens is a network of creatives in all different locations that are mostly video orientated but i'm working with them now on developing a photography section of the company so it's basically like the equivalent of you know how say a brand would reach out to a photo agency to get like a photographer or something like that yeah and then you're gonna get all these crazy up charges of like the agency fees and like stuff like that campus lens is like the the medium of that where it's like you're gonna you're gonna get that but at like regular rates and our people are gonna be all over so it's like say you need a project done in new york oh we got like three people in new york yeah you know like it's like a network of top tier creatives that can get the job done and they're in just different spots so it saves on a lot of like travel fees hotel fees stuff like that for major cities when they want you to come to certain cities like we already got guys like there yeah you know, that's ready cool. to rock so that's it's like cool. i've been doing a lot of stuff with them uh we've been doing a lot of stuff for like sky zone and uh, certain brands like um collegiate stuff for schools like i'm gonna be doing some spring break with them coming up uh in march yeah right. we're going to mexico to shoot some spring break stuff for some brands and companies dope um do you yeah, do some for scooters, or did you do one for that, or no? Oh, we're, oh yeah, we're trying to link up with Bird. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I saw some of those pictures. Popping, that would be dope. Dope. Okay. So uh, shout out Bird, you know, come to it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, it's been working with them, and then also uh, with my homie Cole Younger. That's a shout cool. out. Yeah, that's like uh, Cole Cole underscore Younger underscore on Instagram. He's dope. It's like my it's like my photo sensei right now. He's yeah, like yeah. My, my mentor. Like he's putting me onto the whole like how to do the photography as like a business and like how to conduct yourself and how to like work with these brands and stuff like that. And he's been helping me out a lot. He's been introducing me to a lot of people. I've been working with him on some jobs, like with companies like Nixon, um, Adidas, you know, like people of that caliber. So I'm just trying to keep doing stuff like that. I love, I love the brand stuff. Like the brand stuff to me is like fire. I love like when somebody has like a new, maybe it's like an article of clothing or a new idea, a new something. I love like taking that and then like putting it, like giving it like life in like photo form, you know, because yeah, yeah. like photo, showcasing, yeah, it, yeah, showcasing it. It's like, you know, you have this idea and you're obviously gonna want video of it and photo of it because, you know, content is everything now with online internet and stuff. And it's like, I just want to be able to make your vision come to life even better than like you foresaw it happening. You know, like totally. I want a picture like this and I want to get the picture, edit it, send it to you. And you're like, yo, this is crazy. You know, yeah, like yeah. I, I love, I love those reactions when like people look at it on the camera and they're like, this is so dope. And I'm like, Haha, wait till I get home with it. Like, yeah, you yeah. like it on the camera right now? I'm like, totally. all right. For sure. <laughs> That's crazy. And we'll throw, we'll throw some, uh, we'll obviously throw links up to your page here, but mm-hmm. we'll throw a couple photos up in the middle so people can reference what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as your style is concerned, I, I remember talking to you on the phone the other day and you said something funny, which was, uh, you were going out to go shoot pictures that's like your new version of open gym is like yeah, going out to go yeah, shoot photos yeah. and train your photography game instead of the tricking game. Yeah, yeah. So what's your favorite style of photography and what are you out there doing for fun? 
What am I out there doing for fun? My favorite things to shoot for fun are probably landscape. And I really enjoy like street photography and like street landscape, like cityscapes, um, time-lapse stuff. Um, and then also, um, I, I would say I like I like the action stuff too, but if we were just being picky and just picking one thing, I feel like recently my love has been like landscape and like time-lapse stuff. Okay. That's been like my like... I love getting that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but like, I also dope. love shooting, you know, like action stuff, obviously tricking. You know, I love working with models, like shooting the beautiful girls, the, you yeah. know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like my recent passion has been the landscape, um, time lapse region of okay. things. Yeah. And then like all these photos and stuff that we're going to throw up here so people can take a look at. Um, a lot of stuff deals with like composition or like really mm. crazy editing effects and stuff like mm. that. Did you go to school for photography and editing or how nah, did you learn all these skills? Nah, I just, okay, so I've been shooting since 2010. Since 2019, I'm just now going full time. So I had so many years to just play around and mess totally. around. Like I probably watched only like three tutorials, which like you could watch a bunch of tutorials and you can learn a bunch, but if you're not going out and trying these things and like just actually doing it, it yeah. like you got to like get the practical application and try it out, you know? So I just had years of just trial and error Dope. because it didn't yeah, matter. Yeah. It's just a hobby. It wasn't yeah, like yeah. I didn't, didn't, nothing was demanded of it. Like I, I looked at like three tutorials. Like I said, it was like one was like frequency separation for like skin for editing, you know, yeah. to like clean up skin, which is like a mandatory if you're going to be working with people, like you got to know how to clean up skin. Yeah, retouches. Yeah. yeah um, I watched one about like your focal length uh, versus how long you can time lapse the stars for without mm-hmm. getting them to move, you know, because there's totally. like a ratio you have to keep you have to keep right. And I think I watched like one of uh, Peter McKinnon's videos on. I honestly don't even remember what it was now that I'm thinking about it. But no, honestly, most of my experiences comes from literally going out and failing and coming back and being like, "Well, that didn't work out." Like, yeah, yeah. How am I going to make it work? And going out and trying it again. Like I had eight years to do that like i had eight years of trial and error like it's a long time of just trying and not getting it right and then trying to figure it out i mean you pretty much just got to get up and do it like you said i mean even one of the guys you referenced in the the tutorials peter mcginnon or Mm, whatever yeah i think he's only been on youtube for like less than a year Mm -hmm. like something crazy like that and i think i've even watched a behind the scenes video where he's like i just decided like screw it I, I'm into this. Why not just start making videos and actually commit to doing it? Yeah. And now his videos are featured on the homepage. He gets, you know, oh, half yeah, a million yeah, to a million yeah. views. And he's a name that you said and I recognize. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about just getting out there and just putting in real life experience and real life time and trying to capitalize upon it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, for those that are out there that are trying to consider maybe getting into photography as a start, um, what's some like basic starter stuff that they should get? Like, do they need to jump in and buy a Canon 5D or they, do they need like a Sony nah, a7S? Nah. Like, well, what, what are some tips for people that are just starting off? I would say buy whatever camera is in your, within your means. Like don't like it, unless you're like, Oh, I'm just going to commit my whole life and I'm just going to like ball out and spend all my money and buy all the stuff. If you want to do it like that, go ahead. But like, you got to be ready to commit hundred yeah, <laughs> like, percent. You can't yeah. be playing, you know, totally. like buy whatever cameras in your means and just learn how to use it really well. Cause like I started with a T2I, I got it when it first came out and I just used that T2I until I got to the point where I would show people my photos and they're like, Oh, what do you shoot with 5d 7d? Which like at the time was like, cra- like, yeah, like the crazy the next level. Like, yeah. And, uh, I was like, nah, this is a T2I. Like what? This is a T2I, you know, like, it's all about like developing and honing your eye for like composition, um, color, uh, and lighting. Honestly. Yeah, just learning. It's, all, it's all about light. Like 
the funny thing is we were just talking about Peter McKinnon. P- Peter McKinnon actually does this video, which is really cool, where he takes the cheapest camera he has, yes. the most expensive camera he has, and he takes photos of the same thing, and you have to guess which photo comes different. from which camera. Yeah, and yeah, it got totally. me a couple of times. I was like, oh, it's got to be that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's You just have to learn lighting, lighting, coloring, composition. Like If you can get that down, that is the most important thing. And you just need some tool to accomplish that. Once you start going a little more full-time and like that's your main source of revenue and you want to upgrade and get like a nicer camera, obviously, because it'll be clearer, you know, better quality stuff for the clients. Totally. Like, then do that, but learn the technique first. Like, if you have the money to ball out and do it, go ahead. If you don't, just buy whatever you can get and just learn the basics of how to shoot good photos. Like, okay. Because you could use your phone, too. Yeah, like, totally. And I, know you, I know people that shoot fire photos with their phone. Totally, you know? like, totally. You just literally got to start studying it because it it takes time you know it's not like the funny thing is it's it's hella funny i feel like everybody now since everything is so photo related with instagram and stuff everybody low-key kind of feels like they're a photographer yeah you know like it's hella funny like sometimes i'll show people like edits and they're like oh this is cool you know but like no offense i'm not really that fond of it and in my head i'm like I mean, I'm not offended at all. Like, I don't look at you as anyone that has any relevance towards photography yeah, knowledge yeah. at all. Like, why would I totally. be offended by this, you know? Like, but that's how the game goes. And just, I would just start with the, the camera. I mean, the phone. Okay. The phone or like a cheap, cheap camera. Totally. And if yeah. you need to learn something, just look up a tutorial online or what's the best way to go yeah, about yeah. that? Yeah, literally uh, learn from a tutorial online. Or honestly, if somebody you know or you've seen somebody on Instagram do something that you think is tight message them hey i think this is really cool if you have the time could you uh would you want to run down kind of how you got this shot or how you did this a lot of times like when you're genuine people are like down to show you you know Mm -hmm. like it's just like a natural human thing for the most part you know it's like oh how did i do this i'll show you You this how i did it you know like it's kind of like you know we all kind of have like a little pride and like that we took the effort to learn that. So it's like if somebody else, you see that they have the genuine interest to like want to learn it, you know, like you're more likely to be like, all right, bro, this is how you do it. You know, you go like yeah, this yeah. and go out and try it, you know, like. And if you approach it from a, a sense of, you know, like you said, not being a dick, like we yeah, talked about yeah. earlier, just being a good person, people are more inclined to help you. Yeah. Oh, 100. Yeah. For sure. So what's the goal right now? What's, what's like the five-year plan for, with photography and what's the end game? Is Five-year plan? Okay. So my one year, I'm going to start my one-year plan, 2019. My main goal is to make six figures in photography. Okay. That's my main goal. So you can I commit break, to it as a I want to break yeah. 100000 and be like, boom, okay. And then from then on, I want to gradually go up 100K every year until at least like 500K. My goal five years from now would be to make... 500k or more a year doing photography dope so it's a full-on that's just your life so that's like yeah that's like what i do and then honestly from there once i'm making that much money i feel like i'll probably turn into half of a photographer and then half of just a trader because i've been studying my trading game tough bro i don't know if i've been telling you lately but i've been i've been on it what kind of trading you're talking crypto you're talking real crypto trading i might do forex trading okay okay Okay. yeah i've been studying the ta game and the charts yes I've been plugged in. I'm no just way. I'm just ready for that uh that Bitcoin bull run probably at the either end of this year or the beginning of 2020, which will start out slow and totally. by like 2021, 2022, you're gonna be making coin, bro. Yo, yo, thank we're God, gonna, Kyle. <laughs> thank God, Kyle's one of those guests where I don't have to like segue into my next topic. He just like does it for me naturally. <laughs> it's, it's so awesome. Like normally I have to like take someone's response and I'd be like, that's cool. 
So speaking about that in yeah. relation to this, but like, dude, you just touched on it right now, which I was going to say, which is like uh, alternative sources of revenue is something that we've Bro. always talked about and just having residual sources of income. Um, so yeah, I was just, I was going to ask you straight up if you were still doing crypto, because for those of you that aren't out there, uh, that are out there listening, crypto is definitely in a bear market right now. It's mm. looking beat up. But for those of you that don't realize, like the price of Bitcoin is still higher than it was like two years ago. Oh yeah, like, no, the, this market is literally, the market is perfect. The market is like, fine right now. Yeah, people yeah. are just very impatient. And that's what people don't that, understand. That's how, that's how the big money gets you. The yes. small investors come in and it's like, Oh, it's terrible, you know, but it's like these these big money people, they're in there for the long run. 100%. You know? Like yeah, they yeah. they know like they're putting in money that they don't really even care about and they're just going to, you know, wait at certain times for like it to grow, totally. you know? Like yeah. a lot of these people when they saw the Bitcoin crash, like, "Oh, it went from 20 now it's at like 3,000 something." It's like, "Yo, at one point I think it went from like almost 2,000 down to like 100 something." You yeah, know, like yeah. it's done totally. this many of times. And like, before it even popped up to 20,000, within one calendar year it had gone from literally being like a couple dollars up to $1,000. Yeah, yeah. That is fucking insane exponential growth. Yeah, That's when you, unheard when you look of. You look at it on the cycles like it's making its cycles perfectly. Like it's yeah. doing it right, you know? It's like so I'm just I'm at the point where I've just been watching it. I've been not investing anything crazy right now because I'm wait I'm waiting for like certain signals and stuff like that. Obviously, yeah. But uh, I'm just learning now. I'm just learning how to do the charts. I'm learning what all the oscillators, all the like the stochastic, the RSI, like all the patterns, what everything represents. Like, and is it more likely to go this way, that way? Like, and I feel like if I can learn how to do this in the bear market, like with no totally, money, totally. like when the bull market happens, because like you know when it's when Bitcoin's bullish. Everything else is work, working according to yeah, plan. Yeah, totally. like, if it makes like a pennant or like, you know, certain uh, shape that it would normally make, which would represent a further increase in price, when Bitcoin's bullish, it almost always does that. It drives you know? everything. Yeah. But when Bitcoin's sketch, like sometimes it drops and like, you know, things happen with the altcoins. But like when Bitcoin's bullish, the altcoins are, they're fine. You know, they do great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. Totally. We, at, it's crazy because right now to look at things in the market, it's so different than what it was thriving at like Christmas a year ago. You know what I'm and saying? We found out about it at we the were, end of its that's what I'm long saying. bull run. And, that's and the we, craziest. That, that's what's crazy is we still, me and Kyle and a couple of our friends, we jumped in at a time like right before Bitcoin was getting super bullish. I'd say, I'd say we got in when Bitcoin was still still growing. Like it hadn't it even, like you know, it was maybe like six, six, seven thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, so we're in the middle of the run, and. uh I mean, I'm not going to complain. I made some really good money. We also made some really dumb decisions. Yeah, we yeah. also were, were super new in a lot of ways and not understanding. Uh, Kyle keeps referencing TA. Yeah. And for those that are listening, we're not talking about female body parts. We're talking about technical <laughs> analysis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for those out there, uh, technical analysis is a way for you to analyze the way that the market is going based on patterns mm. and signals and things that happen. Because basically when you look at these charts and patterns, it's like it's not just – what you're looking at it's like the cycle that people think is, mm -hmm. is like the best way to explain it it's like the responses that people do based on something happening is how these charts are so yeah, accurate yeah. over it's time like psychological responses you basically like, just yeah, yeah you're mapping mm -hmm. out what people are going to respond to and you can guess and predict what's going to happen you mm -hmm. know so so yeah are you um are you just sitting on money right now do you have your money in any altcoins or icos or is there anything that people should look out for or is your best advice to just sit and learn right now i would say just sit and learn right now and just wait for bitcoin to go bullish and like anywhere from like the end of the year to the beginning of next year and just in the meantime just learn if you want to trade like just literally go online and just learn there's so much stuff on youtube to learn how to trade it's crazy like yeah a lot of really dope knowledgeable people that are just teaching you how to trade because like they enjoy it and like 
it doesn't hinder them if they're making you're making money everyone's making money like it's not like anyone's it's not a competition oh you know? totally like, and and the more money that's put into a market the more the market cap goes yeah, up yeah, 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 yeah so, so that's what people understand another reason why bitcoin is down so much right now is a lot of people just fucking panicked and they pulled all their money out the market cap went from over uh, you know what trillions of dollars to literally down to like you know just a couple hundred billion yeah, at one yeah. Point. that was like, that was big money big money sold out so it was like yeah. what happened was at the end like low-key i like i was one of the people that were in this like i bought into it like later i actually flipped some einsteinium and some stellar lumen i made like a bunch of money and then during the crash i didn't know about like technical analysis or i didn't know about the market cycles i didn't know there's gonna be such a big thing so i went all the way back to where i started oh but, no you were fully bro, back in yeah oh. yeah bro <laughs> i oh. went from i went from six oh. to 66 oh two back to six <laughs> damn but at least you didn't lose i know a lot of people got mopped up and yeah lost, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I ended up taking some out uh like way later on okay and uh yeah yeah so i, I was just chilling but i didn't make i didn't make anything but i, I was Man. up i was up 11 times my initial <laughs> yeah i got real lucky i'm not even gonna lie <laughs> no, I, I got you real lucky yeah too. i killed it with pundi x i killed it with a couple of icos oh, so, so like i missed that one a lot of people trade just Bitcoin and Ethereum mm-hmm. and Litecoin. And then a lot of people trade the altcoins, which yeah, Kyle yeah. talked about earlier, which are like, for lack of a better term, and to just cliff note and streamline people into the conversation. It's like penny stocks. It'd yeah, be like, yeah, pretty much. It'd be like smaller, low, lower cost investments. But with that, you have the ability to have incremental gains. Mm-hmm. Because if a penny stock goes from one cent to two cents, it's doubled. But like to take a, a stock from a thousand to two thousand, that's a big jump yeah, in yeah. the market, you know. Um, where I killed it though was ICOs back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Thank God to Ian Bellina, <laughs> yeah. Diary of a Made Man, <laughs> who I don't I don't know how he's surviving now. But like, yeah. So back in the day, we would watch this guy online, Ian mm. Bellina, and he would have an ICO list where you could watch ICOs, which are initial coin offerings, which are basically like before a coin goes public, mm. you could invest in it get a little break or a discount because you're yeah, an early yeah. investor yeah stock versions ipo yeah the same thing and yeah. then you're hoping that when it goes public at that point the price is going to just skyrocket or people are going to be you're able to basically set the price so to speak on the exchanges because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. people are then trying to buy it publicly so i did pretty well i had a couple of i think i had a couple of 8x returns a couple of 12x returns and I bounced out of there at the right time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> at the right time, dog. I should have just, oh, when I was peaking over 60, I should have just took it out. I didn't know. I was yeah. like, I thought it was going to keep going. Yeah, I, I mean, didn't know it's got to breathe. You know, once it goes super crazy, ooh. it's got to breathe a little bit. Yeah. And then, and then it could go again. You know, I mean, like, just just the fact that you even went from six grand to 66 grand within just sitting at your quick. computer in a couple of weeks is insane so so for those of you out there right now the market may be down people have stopped talking about it oh yo just, just wait but for just it wait. to go bullish again yeah. i'm gonna be on my ig story about it i'm gonna be i'm gonna, I'm gonna keep everyone super up to yeah, date yeah. when i start trading again when it's like time to trade in a bullish market like i'm gonna tell everyone what i'm getting into i'm gonna be super uh uh transparent with everything that i'm doing you know on my trades and stuff like because i feel like it's one of those things like everybody can make money off yeah like, totally it's not that crazy like when you yeah. don't know that much about it it seems like so crazy like whoa like well you know this seems crazy but when you just learn a little bit it's not that crazy and it's like it is hard you got to learn you got to know what to do but it's like 
just just be ready. Just be ready. Like get your get your invest <laughs> get your money up to be invest the beginning be of next year and we'll make some money together doing yeah, crypto for sure. For real, man. Nah, and there's a there's a, a big community that's into the crypto market as well. So mm-hmm. like I'm sure that if there's any of you out there that are interested in it, there's probably someone else that's listening to this podcast that's also into it. So mm-hmm. yeah, let's let's all get rich together, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. get yeah. our and money. That, that's game the goal. Up. Like I wanna eventually at some point okay, so I'm twenty seven now. Five years, okay, 32. Once I'm making that much money doing photography, I expect to be making even more than that by trading. Yeah. That's from, my goal. Yeah, from residual so eventually, income, so. I want all my financial stuff to come purely from trading, and then I could do everything else in my life for fun. Dang, that'd be crazy. Like, I could shoot photos whenever I want. Yeah, I could yeah. go do this whenever I want. Like, that's the ultimate goal that's like my totally. ideal goal it's eventually just trade money for a living yeah yeah totally and for those of you out there that are really interested in this or are looking for like another way to earn money like go on a quest for knowledge like that's the biggest advice i tell people all the time is like the knowledge is out there and it exists yeah. we live in a time where we can actually like have access to it you have a question you can literally ask siri and siri can tell you the answer mm-hmm. you don't got to go to a library anymore so for those of you out there looking for alternative sources of income i would definitely look into cryptocurrency um Obviously, right now the market's a little bit down, but yeah, for those of you that are wait, looking into like other bit. stuff, you can definitely just look into penny stocks. You can look into shorts. You can mm-hmm. look into tons of different aspects um, of of ways to generate revenue that guys are doing from their living rooms or for their bedrooms with with just a laptop. Yeah, yeah. You can you literally know? wake up, dedicate like two hours to just searching the market real quick. You know, seeing what's going to do what for a little bit. You yeah. know, you see something fine, you find a good investment, do your thing, and if if it's like a couple day trade, if you're waiting, you know, like. That was just that time. And then, you know, you don't got to, you just wait for it to happen or you set your stop loss or whatever, you know, you just let it do its thing. Like yeah. you don't have to put that much time into it. That's what's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Once, once you learn the foundation of it at that point, you're just utilizing and drawing upon the same things mm-hmm. that you've learned. And then yep. you're just analyzing and looking at patterns and then just going from there. Yeah. There's a cool video that uh, my buddy, Timothy Delegato put out. He used to be on Wild and Out. Mm-hmm. He's like a YouTube comedian. He did a really cool video about some Asian kid, I think in like New Jersey or something. It's called like the wolf of new jersey and it's like some asian kid that just he literally saw a car wanted to make some money and he started trading and shorting things from his living room and he made like three million dollars in a year (laughs) kyle's like yo link in description on the screen and uh kyle will check that one out too yeah it's an interesting (laughs) story man um so with that being said i know one of the other things you're always doing like me is just we're just constantly trying to learn and Mm -hmm. listen to podcasts is there anything that you're watching right now or that you're into or anything that you're currently delving full steam ahead um i mean online i always like watching anything that's like uh any any psychological um, anything that has to do with psychology, okay. neuroscience. I just love how people function, how people work. Um, humans are just re- we're just we're just interesting things. You know? totally, we're just yeah, so yeah. funny. Like we do we do some great things, we do some funny things, we do some silly things. Like we do all sorts of stuff. And I, I just love learning about that, like why we do it, like why people are certain things. You know, always very deep into the sciences. Like I just love like that there's so much stuff that we don't know, and then we're trying to like figure it out. It's like a game, you know. Like, yeah. It's really cool. So. Anything science related, I'm obviously 110% down. Um, anything IDW related, I'm really down. You know what that is? IDW. Oh no, no, Intellect- intellectual dark web. Oh, of it's, course. It's, yeah. it's a coin. It's totally. a it's a uh, phrase I think coined by Eric Weinstein, who um, super smart dude. Um, it's a, basically a group of a lot of really smart people that come from different backgrounds, and they're normally talking about things that are very are like heavily political or 
something that's just like a like super crazy hard questions you know it's like yeah, they're yeah. just tackling questions that not you don't hear in everyday conversations you okay, know like okay and i just love i just love listening to stuff like that like that's what that gets me going like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel you on that dude um well, that's crazy i've been really into mentalism lately mm. and uh and sleight of hand. Oh, bro! Yeah. A, Don't get me started on the uh, magic tricks. I've been watching this dude on online, Shin Lim, who is on America's Got Talent, mm. and my dude is just like making me totally want to switch and you careers. Show, you showed me him, before. bro. I just, I just want to do magic right now. I just want to make shit disappear. <laughs> like, I don't even care about this stunt life anymore. Bro, sleight of hand is crazy. I just crazy. want to be like, make stuff disappear. You know what I'm saying? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's so good. Um, well, yo, before you leave, there's one thing that I want to watch real quick, uh, which is something that I actually saw on your story the other other day so i want to end the episode out on this one right here can you pull up the first one yeah. bye oh so before we leave y'all i just want to leave you guys with a little <laughs> bit of history and something that we do besides like intellectual talks and things like that one thing that we always like to do is watch these old school videos of our legends yeah watching and um all all, all age ranges yeah you know, it's 1996 up to today we totally. watch we watch everything and so the video that <laughs> Yo, i want watch to watch is the screen. highest split kick you've ever seen for that size what Oh my! <laughs> and the video I want to put on screen right now is someone that we talked about earlier today. I just didn't want to get into watching the video because we had watched a lot back to back. But on screen right Ooh. now is Mr. Anthony Atkins, who was Kyle's first coach for tricking Ooh, and I martial was at arts. That tournament. Yo, and yo, check this one. It's coming up after Ooh. this jackknife. It's like oh, this- you're talking about the hyper tsunami. <laughs> I knew that was coming. That one is savage. Yo. And what was crazy about Anthony was he was one of the original, uh, like performers doing extreme forms but also tricking you Oof, can find videos of him online Oof. with uh, steve tarada there's a bunch of famous samplers and man he used to just fly oh yeah yeah <laughs> literally super creative too super creative at that time like a lot of the stuff he was doing like not that many people were doing that yeah and like it, the thing is is like we watch this now and it seems kind of funny but like at the time no one's doing any of these things oh, like yeah, this no, is no, predating no. this is this footage right here i don't yeah. even know how that, old this is <laughs> that's what's crazy is this video i think the date on this video is it's re-uploaded in 2011 which means that it came out like 10 years before <laughs> oh, so way yeah this yeah. is this is that right there is like 1998 is that charlie or bluegrass there uh, i don't know but what's crazy about this man is just to see the evolution of the sport. And these are the guys that kyle and i grew up watching these were the guys that were on the stage when we were growing up I was going to ask you that. Did he ever teach you how he was able to land in the splits from so goddamn high? <laughs> nah, I was like, my man, like I don't know how you were just not destroying your yeah, nuts. Yeah, I wasn't super flexible like that. Yo, my dude, every Yo, time that, he jumped. That 720 back kick is coming up sometime yep. soon. That's one of my favorite ones. Yo, I mean, look at the timestamp. That's the 2000 in that video yeah, right there, yeah, bro. That's, that's 19 years ago. 2000? You know? And 2000, like, look at that. 2000. Ooh, 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 look at the hands. Look at the big geese. Yo, that was back when everyone was wearing super big geese. Yep, Remember that? Yep. Oh, it's so crazy. Yo. <laughs> Yo, if you weren't tricking in some big geese pants back in the day. Yo, <laughs> my man did two tricking. aerials in the row there, but Bro. it was tight for back in the day. That was tight, too. Yo, I remember oh when I came God. out tricking in the Adidas pants and I got made fun of. <laughs> And now look at the bro. World. Now look at everybody wearing Adidas. I literally Ooh. got made fun of on the forums for rocking skinny Adidas pants. Man, that 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 clip right there was a crazy one. A lot of people don't know that was a uh, Ryan Pinkston's house. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people may, may not remember him, but he was he was on the That's show Punked back in the day. Yeah. He was a little kid on the show Punked. 
Oh, Damn. With the hands. Oof. 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 Why is that so... It, what trips me out is it's so simple, but it looks so crazy the way yeah. he does it. It's just kind of like we something that we've talked about and a lot of people alluded to, which is, you know, back in the day, there was less tricks. So I feel like people just did them at, Oh, yo, here comes that 720 back level. kick. Yo, Paul, check this one out. Yo, my man hits this so clean right here. He goes... That's Damn. like 1996. That's that's super old school. Yo, that that gainer, that's an old video. Is the green floor? Is that Charlie Lee or what's the I think green floor? Charlie Lee. Charlie Lee mm-hmm. I think so. And that looked like New England Open almost. Uh, maybe, right maybe it was 97, but that was like Damn. 96 or 97. The that was back school. when the first battles were extreme kick contests. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah. when uh, Kalman Choka was the king. Oh so, yeah, yeah. So for for all you new trickers out there, if you guys want to look up the old legend, look up Kalman Choka. K A L M A N C S O K. CSOKA? I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. And if not, you have a difficult name, so I tried my best. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we alluded to him on the first episode with Steve Tarada. He was killing mm-hmm. the battles back in the day. Oh, yeah. It's and crazy. And yo, man. Manny Brown, too. Yes. If we're shouting out OGs, if you know tricking and you don't know Manny Brown, yo, some people refer to him as the godfather of tricking. That fool invented so many trans... Like, he invented transitions. He like, is the first person yeah, to do he, B-twist swing through gainer. Yeah, he did the first B-twist swing gainer. Like, yeah. he did the first miss leg too mm-hmm, if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken like mm-hmm. doing like a beach was round yeah. miss leg illusion like nobody was doing that and i don't know like, if he was the first but he did a lot of flagella stuff people weren't doing oh like, yeah, like yeah a yeah. lot of weird miss leg stuff that people just weren't bro doing. and like crazy. aerial turn front swing like yeah. stuff like that like nobody it's was crazy. doing that yeah, like, <laughs> it's crazy obviously what's happening nowadays is so impressive the stuff that shosei is doing the stuff the oh, guys yeah. are doing <laughs> johan is smashing the game guthrie is obviously a god but yeah yeah man i still get a kick out of watching the old school samplers and reminiscing on old times and, yeah yeah because there's something about like looking at it and knowing that that's like the first time somebody like figured out how to do that yeah you know yeah, like yeah. you're like yo you're really diving into the depths right now to totally. like, pull some movement out of nowhere you know like it's so crazy yeah and just being a part of it was really 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 cool we're very lucky to be here at a very pivotal time within tricking culture and also within mm. tricking with the inter- entertainment industry's history so yeah yeah and tricking with the ability to like record it and then watch it in slow-mo yes. afterwards like yes bro <laughs> man it's crazy man so um with that being said are you training any more these days what's your goal can still people train. still i just want i just want to trick to always be able to trick i always want to be able to do like some basics like okay. even till i'm like older i want to be, be like 40 50 still doing like a gainer hopefully you know like okay. i just but yeah it's just now more like for fun uh come i trick when i want to like i show up and just do like i don't go for anything super crazy anymore just cause my back like i don't want to land crazy and like tweak it and then yeah. do that stuff for a while so i just keep it simple I'll do like a double B twist every now and then, but like, yeah, nothing crazy. Just clean, simple, chill. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And where can people go to stay up to date with uh, your training and your photography and everything that's going on in your life? Shot by Kyle. At, <laughs> oh, right here. <laughs> Shot by Kyle on Instagram. And, and what's your uh, website? Shout your website out. www.shotbykyle.com. Um, I need to update it more. I don't update as much. But if you follow my Instagram, that's where I'm pretty up to date with everything. That's my best uh, outlet for stuff. Dope. Hell yeah, man. Well, yo, listen, Kyle, really appreciate you coming by for not only the first time, but the second time doing this interview. Yeah. I really appreciate it, man. Run it back, you know, yo, run it back, it's baby. crazy, man. <laughs> and, t- and to be honest, we brought up some stories that we did the first time, so I'm yeah, kind of yeah. glad that it we redid out. this one. It yeah, no, that's awesome. So, yo, major shout out to Kyle. I really appreciate you coming by. Uh, everyone that's interested, if you guys want to, just stay up to date by following Kyle's stuff online. We'll throw his socials up on the screen right now. Make sure to go over there and give him a follow <laughs> and take a look. And if you guys are interested, and doing some local shoots here in Los Angeles. He's a great 
uh, resource, I know I'm able to hit him up and try to get some shoots done uh, with a tight schedule all the time. So shout out to you. Thanks for always hooking it up. For and, sure. Uh, Yo, and and Travis definitely. always pays, too. It's a real one. I'm going <laughs> to tell you that right one. now. That's People will be hitting me up. Hey, man, can, you, can we just do this shoot real quick? <laughs> Travis hits me up. Hey, we trying to shoot? I got you money. Exactly. Let's rock. Boom. Like, Yo. It's a we, real one. We in a service-based business, and I know what's up, man. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. For real. For reals, man. So, yo, thanks a lot, Kyle. Really appreciate it. To everyone out there, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and got some insight into, you know, what it's like to perform in the industry and to transition your career from practicing to on stage and then making the decision to go on from there. So best of luck to Kyle and his photography and the rest of his journey from here on out. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. We got a really great response on the first episode. Feel free to leave a like or a comment below with who you guys would like to see on some future ones. We have a lot of episodes we already have in the can ready to release we're just uh gonna start rolling them out every friday from here on out and maybe every wednesday if we get a big enough response so So subscribe subscribe (laughs) like and subscribe y'all so with that being said thank you everyone for joining us today and joining us uh to my left is mr kyle cordova check him out thank you for having me be sure to uh subscribe like kyle said and uh, we will see you guys sometime soon much love y'all peace thanks for joining us on the never jam cast we are out see y'all next time